Welcome to The Well Podcast, where we post the audio messages for our Sunday sermons. For more information about us and how to get further connected, feel free to visit our website at thewellaustin.com. Okay, so we are reading Luke 18, 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. All right. How are we, y'all? Good, good. Uh, Hey, this is obviously a big week for us. A lot of cool things happening. And also our last week in Westover, uh, Luke tried to blaze me being from Detroit. I ain't going to say he went to ACU and y'all ain't even got no football team, but that's all right. Uh, uh, We have a lot to share. I want to bless Westover before we leave, but I'm going to save that for the benediction. And I want to actually just spend our last Sunday together sitting under God's word together. Amen. And so let's go ahead and dive right in. Um, We are in our Uniquely Jesus series. And if you're new with us, we're walking through Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we're looking at how each of them share these unique stories about Jesus, where there are stories or parables that are only found in one of those three gospel accounts. And we're looking at those and showing, man, how is God uniquely showing himself to these individuals? And through that, How do we then begin to find the uniqueness of God in our life and understand our unique calling to walk in this relationship with God? And so in the story that we're in today, you would actually expect to find this in the Gospel of Matthew because it's a story about a tax collector and Matthew is literally a tax collector. But Luke tends to be really concerned with the outsider and with the outsider receiving the grace of God and of which you do not get much more outsider than a tax collector. And so God's mercy, though, as we see in the story, is abundant towards this tax collector. And so it makes sense why this parable would be meaningful for Luke being an outsider himself. It means that he too is able to be a recipient of God's grace and of God's mercy. And so this is significant to him. And so if you're in this room and you feel like an outsider to Christianity, know that you are in a very great position to receive the mercy and grace of God because God's heart is for the outsider, okay? Now, this story is fairly short. It's quick to read, but man, I was convicted this whole week, y'all. I was convicted this whole week. And so I'm sorry if I bring some of my conviction up in this mug, all right? Uh, But it's really powerful in that sense. And so let's dive right in, all right? Uh, A Pharisee and a tax collector, they walk into a bar. 
No, I'm just kidding. They go to a temple to pray. That's a terrible joke. It's the opposite of a bar, right? Um, and so they go into a temple. Now that word up there that you see at the beginning of this, there's a slight play on words that's happening. It does represent a physical ascending up onto the temple mount, but it's also a spiritual ascent to prayer. They're exiting earth in a spiritual sense and going to God in prayer. Now, quick context for us. When we hear the word Pharisee, we tend to hear religious hypocrite. But in the original context, the Pharisees were the religious and the moral elites of the day. They were respected by society by and large because they were the ones that were trying to adhere and uphold the Jewish law. So these were the good guys in the story. So you got to think about that for our context. Meanwhile, the tax collectors, these were the scum of the earth, y'all. Like, so hated were the tax collectors that Jewish commentators prohibited beggars from even receiving money from tax collectors because that money was considered unclean. It's like, dog, you already a beggar, right? Like, and now you can't even get money from these cats? Like, that's how dirty these tax collectors were seen. In fact, if a tax collector entered into your home, then every single thing that exists inside of your home would be considered unclean, according to Jewish understanding, and it would have to go through a ceremonial ritual to get it clean once again. And so it's hard for us to even have a categorical comparison for somebody like this, but whoever it is that you like the least or whoever it is that you think is least deserving of God's mercy, that's how the entire society viewed these tax collectors. In fact, the tax collector in the temple was even seen to be a defilement to the temple. And so in some ways, we already see some of the faith of the tax collector even being in the temple in the first place, but we'll get to that in a second, okay? Now, these two men, they're contrasted really significantly, both by their profession, which we just talked about, but also by their posture. Notice that the Pharisee, says that he stands by himself which so does the tax collector, but the tax collector is by himself because people cast out tax collectors far from them, but the Pharisee is by himself because he's removed himself from people. He thinks that he is better than others, this text tells us, which we can do that too, family, right? Like be careful that in your heart, you are not by yourself. Like if you use the phrase, man, I'm the only one who dot, 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 then you may be a little bit more Pharisee-like than you would initially think upon seeing this story. You may be flirting with trust of self and contempt towards others. Like, man, I'm the only one that's really faithful up in this CG, right? Or like, man, I, I, I care about this church way more than this person. Or why do all these other people not care about foster advocacy the way that I notice the Pharisee's heart here, right? Like he starts off his prayer to God, but is he really praying to God here? His pronouns kind of give him away, right? I, I, I. Dude sounds like the pigeon in Finding Nemo, right? I, I, my, right? God, look at all that I do. It's clear who the emphasis is on here. In your prayer life, is your emphasis on God and his goodness or is it on you and your righteousness? 
You see, I'm not saying it's unholy to talk about yourself when you're talking to God, but when the only thing that you're saying, like this Pharisee, are things about yourself, you might be missing God's grace that will deliver you from this self-absorption that will end up murdering you, family. Like, I've never been able to deliver myself out of troubling situations, so why in my prayer life would I focus on myself and my works as if I'm a good deliverer? And yet that's what many of us are tempted to do. And we'll talk about this some in a few, but the Pharisee is self-absorbed, y'all, thinking about himself, almost as if God owes him something because he is good. And so once again, is he really praying to God then, or is the emphasis on him? Well, Jesus actually gives it away in the original language. If you have your physical Bibles, you'll notice that there's a subscript after the word prayed. And that's because the Greek sentence is a little bit different. So not only by his pronouns do we see the Pharisee's heart, but what this Greek word actually says here is it says, the Pharisee standing prayed to himself, God, I thank you. He probably thought he was praying to God, but in his self-justification and in his boasting, he's really just praying to himself. Are you sure you're even praying to the Father, beloved? Right? Like, Like when you trust in yourself and when you trust in your righteousness, when you are self-absorbed, then you may be going to the temple to pray, but your heart is not ascending to the Father at all. You may actually just be praying to yourself. This is a terrible and a scary place to be in because it's actually really hard to recognize when we do this, y'all. Like the Pharisee probably left the temple feeling pretty good about himself, not realizing that he's never going to receive God's mercy because he never asked God for it. And I'm telling you, you may not think that you do this, but the temptation is to do this very thing, y'all to look at your works and to consider your righteousness before God, and then through that to begin to think that God owes you something because of the good works that you do. Like, listen, y'all, this dude is really righteous in some ways, right? Like homie said, he fasted twice a week, y'all. Like, that's actually really impressive, isn't it? Like, most of us have a hard time fasting once per year, And I know when y'all be fasting too, because y'all be all grumpy, right? Like dude is doing it twice a week and he tithes, the text said. Honestly, he sounds like a guy that most pastors would like to have in their church, right? Jewish law actually only required fasting during the day of atonement. And so this really is impressive that he does this twice per week, but it also makes sense why he's beginning to put a lot of emphasis on his works because it's his religious works. They're not trying to draw him into relationship with God. They're trying to draw God into relationship with him. And there's the temptation, I believe, for us. Come on, y'all, we preaching. Don't disassociate right? Like, like he thinks he's good and he thinks his goodness is earning him favor or, or blessing or position or righteousness. And can I just confess to y'all? I do the same thing, y'all. I do the same thing. I read my Bible often. In fact, I would say I probably read six and a half out of seven days of the week. And as I read, what I begin to find myself, some of y'all are like six and a half, like I miss like every other week, Okay. There we go. All right. I know how to count. Okay. 
Um, like, and, and as I begin to like do this, there's a lot of goodness in that. I, I can receive the goodness of God. And yet what I begin to do is I begin to feel like God owes me something because I'm doing all of this religious work. I, I fast twice a week in that sense. And when things don't go my way, I begin to question God's goodness or his character as if my good works are meant to draw God into me rather than me into God. And it's so easy for me to do this, y'all. Self-righteousness, I believe that it creeps into our hearts because each of us has the propensity to trust ourselves for our own deliverance. You see, it's honestly almost hardwired into every single human that exists. Do you recognize how you do it, y'all? Do you recognize how you can be very Pharisee-like in this sense? We'll come back to this in a second, but let's look at the second character here, uh, the tax collector, Chad. That sounds like a tax collector's name. <laughs> Sorry if your name is Chad, all right? Uh, ironically, you're the hero of the story, so I ain't blazing you, okay? Uh, the tax collector, it says that he stands far off, right? And so he's standing too, just like the Pharisee. It's just he's far away, and he's not even lifting up his eyes, the text says, and he talks about himself too. He says, be merciful to me, right? But barely. The focus is actually on his unworthiness, not on his awesomeness. The emphasis of his prayer is really on God and on God's mercy. Now notice the tax collector here. He has no defense. There's no posturing. There's no excuses or justification for his sin. He just recognizes that he is a sinner in need of God's mercy. Now, there's a lot of contrast that you can make between these two characters. The, the length of their prayer is very, very different. The position and posture before God is different. There's many things that we've mentioned. There's even more things like the narrative description of these individuals. But Jesus's contrast here makes it really clear on the intent of his parable. In fact, in verse nine, Jesus actually begins this, or Luke begins this by saying, he also told this parable, meaning we have to go back to what is the original audience? What is this kind of doubling on top of? What is the also there for? And if we go back to chapter 17, the original audience is actually the Pharisees and the disciples. And so everything inside of the story and even the audience of the story shows us that Jesus is telling us this parable in some ways saying you and I are one of these two people in the story. We are not innocent bystanders in this story, y'all. Like we are one of these two individuals. <clears throat> the trick is you and I tend to not identify with either of these people. We just kind of read the story and we go, oh, that's cool. That's a good story. As, as if this isn't actually about us, as if all scripture wasn't written for our encouragement or our edification or to challenge us. And so most of us, we don't really feel so sinful that we feel like we cannot really approach God. And so we often don't feel like the tax collector. Maybe here and there when we're in the middle of some really deep sin, but for the most part, we don't feel like that individual. But then most of us don't really feel like the Pharisee either. In fact, we kind of say in our hearts, thank God that I'm not like that Pharisee. Huh. Right? Our hearts just don't really say it loud enough for our ears to actually hear it. But in not identifying with the story at all, 
all of a sudden the scripture becomes null to us, family, and woe to us when the scripture is null to us, when we can't see ourselves in the story. But isn't there like Pharisee inside of every single one of us? As we thank God that we're not like the Pharisee, aren't we just like the Pharisee? And isn't that the point of Jesus's story here? Therefore, it can hit a little bit harder, right? Like maybe you don't do that. Maybe you don't praise God. You're not like the Pharisee. But some of us, we can become so like justice oriented that we become Pharisee-like when we think about the marginalized because we're not like those other Christians who never think about the marginalized. And therefore, we begin to find our righteousness in our love for justice, ironically making our justice more about us than about the marginalized we say we care about. Hello, right? It was election week this week. I saw some of y'all's posts. Or some of us have so much pride, right, that we don't really serve the church unless they ask us to preach or teach because we have so much to give because, you know, we fast twice a week type of thing, right? Or some of us are so religious that when other people struggle to read their Bible, we almost look down upon them because, man, God in his grace must be so lucky that I read the word all the time and we look at others with contempt who struggle to read the word of God, right? I could go on and on. As I said, I think that we are more like the Pharisee and we're probably even showing how much we're like the Pharisee and blasting the Pharisee for his Pharisaism, making us like him, I mean, look at the Pharisee here once again, right? It says that he's praying to God, thanking God that he's not like that sinner tax collector. It's like, I thought you were praying to God, bro. I thought your eyes were fixed on God, but they're not. They're fixed on himself and on the people around him. They're not fixed on God at all. And we can do this too, y'all right? Like, like I do this, okay? Like, like I get mad when I'm suffering because I'm like, God, I read my Bible and I give more than 10% and I serve your church and I, 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 I am so quick to turn into the Pharisee, beloved, right? Or even last week, okay? Can I do my second confession for the day? Last week I was worshiping and I forgot one of those little plasticky communion cups, right? And so I had to go in the back to get one. What happened? I turned into Yusuf. <laughs> It must be this spot right here. This is where it happened to Yusuf too, all right? Here we go, okay. I went to the back to get a little communion cup thing. And as I was going back there, I just saw some people like not worshiping at all, right? Like they were just like, like angry. I'm like, dog, what y'all doing, right? And I began to judge them in my heart, just genuinely. And I began to look at them and go, y'all, did y'all see the baptisms last week? How could you not be worshiping God? And it's like, I thought your eyes were supposed to be fixed on God, bro. And yet here I am looking at everybody else with a little bit of judgment on my heart, like, dog, what is wrong with me? Okay, maybe I'm just convicting myself up here, y'all. Like, do you feel that in your heart as well? Like, are you sure that you're not the person in this story that you don't want to be, the Pharisee? Are you sure that when you ascend to the temple that you're not just climbing the ladder of your own self-righteousness, family? Like, like, we are more like the Pharisee than our hearts would lead us to believe. We trust in our works to justify us before our God more than we trust Christ's works to justify us before God. And so then we speak with contempt upon those white evangelicals or those silly Democrats, right? Look, I didn't already isolate 80% of us, right? 
or people who only quote reformed theologians or people who are way too uptight with their Christian liberties. Like when we speak to our beliefs and our convictions to justify us before God over and above Christ's works to justify us before God, then we are more Pharisee-like than we would like to admit. And the text says that he went home not justified, family. This is not a silly thing to play around with anymore, right? Like, like he went back out of favor with God really clearly. And then you and I are sitting here. I hope your heart's saying, I'm tempted to be like that. That's a dangerous place to be in, y'all. And that's the point of Jesus's text here, right? And if you miss it, y'all, what you're doing is you're praying to yourself for righteousness in your good works, whether you realize that you're praying to yourself or not. And when you do that, you will never find the exaltation of Christ that liberates your soul, family, We will never find it. You see, the Pharisee is unable to receive God's mercy because he doesn't feel like he needs it. And you and I will never receive the forgiveness or the mercy or the grace or the compassion of God if we don't really feel like we need it because we're kind of good people. We'll miss it, y'all. The trick is the Pharisee can convince himself that he is one with God and we can do the same thing. We're more like the Pharisee than we would like to admit. Now, there's a counter trick here too, y'all, okay? And we'll spend a lot quicker on this one. But for others of us, we are such tax collectors that we think we can't approach God, right? Like like we over-identify with the tax collector. And so we do not approach God and we do not draw near to God and we won't even lift up our eyes to look at God. So we stay far off, so far off from God that we don't even receive God's mercy, Like, listen, y'all, you may be tempted to think that you are unable to stand before a holy God because of your sin. And in irony, you're right about that. You're not able to stand before a holy God because of your sin. However, we can feel so sinful that we begin to forget the realities of the gospel that says in Christ, there is forgiveness. And so then we don't even show up to the temple to pray in the first place. And we miss the forgiveness and mercies of God. Like like we begin to believe so deeply the tax collector label on us that we miss the redemption of Christ that he is offering to us. And so you and I, we cannot uh, uh, really kind of like like default into self-defeatism either. Like, because if you're doing that, you're really just doing the opposite side of the same coin as the Pharisee. You're like, I suck, and I'm unworthy, and I'm a sinner. I, I, I. And you're still looking to yourself just like the Pharisee was. And in that missing the goodness of God, you're just looking at yourself in the negative now. And so what's the trick here, right? How do we not over-default into the tax collector sinner or over-default into the Pharisee the way that most of us probably are tempted to? Well, the trick of this parable is actually found in verse 13. Jesus uses the word mercy here, and he uses a really interesting word for the word mercy. He says, be merciful to me, a sinner. But that word is actually only used twice in the New Testament. And you know the word mercy is used way more than two times. Now, this is actually the root word for the Old Testament understanding of the mercy seat which is the place where a blood sacrifice was made and where the mercy of God poured out. 
And so once a year, a priest would go before the mercy seat and stand all by himself and make an offering to sin. And through that, the mercy of God would pour out from that blood sacrifice. That is the understanding of this idea of mercy. And so it's used here in the tax collector's prayer. And the other time it's used, it's actually Hebrews chapter two, verse 17, which says, therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful, there's that word, and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Now listen, y'all, keep that verse up there, okay? Jesus, he can deliver you from the self-exaltation of the Pharisee or being overly condemned as a tax collector, You see, Jesus in this verse in Hebrews is the antithesis of the Pharisee in almost every single way. You see, Jesus did not look at contempt upon sinners from a distance. No, like Jesus, in fact, did not just have mercy on sinners. Jesus actually became one. You see, so identified was Christ with the tax collector that he was even called a tax collector in his ministry on earth and was treated like a tax collector and ultimately died like a tax collector that he might deliver all of us who are more like the tax collector than we would like to admit. You see, Jesus was the only one that has ever existed on earth who truly would have been able to say, thank you, Father, that I am not like these other men because he wasn't. Nothing like us was Jesus. He was the only one that could have trusted in himself for his righteousness because Christ is righteousness defined. And yet Jesus did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself. You see, Jesus was the one that was actually positioned far off from God, not asking for mercy upon himself because he didn't need any mercy. Jesus was far off from God asking for mercy upon us because we are the ones that needed it, family. And yet mercy poured out at that mercy seat or the mercy cross of Christ. Jesus went up onto that hill as well. He ascended up that temple mount, but he did not ascend to a temple. He ascended to a place of torture to die. And as Jesus's chest was beat, not he beating him chest in lament, but other people striking the son of God, you went off of that hill justified, exalted because Christ was humbled for you, family. And this should be a humbling statement, y'all. Like it should shake the Pharisee all up out of you and yet exalt you to not think that you are like the tax collector because Jesus died in your place. It should build up your identity in Christ so that your eyes do not stay cast down, but they are lifted up looking to your Savior so that you might become exalted with him, family. And so for us who over-identify with the tax collector, listen, friends, there's somebody who's able to stand righteous before God. His name is Jesus. He had no sin. And Jesus, who was in heaven, came down to earth to die on a cross, to wipe away our sins before God, so that no matter how much like a tax collector, you know that you are in your heart upon faith and belief in Jesus, then you can walk out of the house of God justified. Like, beloved family of God, do you hear me? 
right? You may feel like you stand far off from God because you know in your heart that sin is serious to God. And yet, if you believe in Jesus, that sin does not keep you far away from God. You can be justified because God wants to make you righteous. God wants to bring you into his presence. Today, you can leave this church pure as if you have never sinned in your whole life because the sinless Savior delivered you, family. You can walk out with confidence, unlike the tax collector. And for those of us who struggle with, with, struggle with pharisaical tendencies, then beloved, the, 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 the point of this parable is really, really simple. Your eyes are just focused on the wrong thing. In fact, hasn't that been the point of like all the parables we've done so far? It's like our eyes are focused on the wrong thing. Here in this story, the Pharisee is focused on himself. And if you focus on yourself, then like we've been talking about, life won't make sense, beloved. But if you are focusing on Christ, then he can deliver you from your humility or from your over-exaltation into the kingdom of God forever. We All we need to do is fix our eyes on the right thing, or rather, on the right one on Jesus, put them on Christ where he belongs. Like, listen, some of my most powerful times with the Lord, my deepest encounters with God, it has come when I am in the tax collector position, when I know I need God's mercy, when I know I need God's grace, when I know that I need God's forgiveness, and then God in his grace and his mercy, he lifts up my eyes, family, and I want that for each of us in here. I want you to experience the mercies and the grace of God. And so we need to recognize that no matter how long we've been walking with Jesus, we're just a bunch of tax collectors turned saints, y'all. That's all that we are before God. Because of Christ, you will reign forever because of his mercy. And this should do the opposite of leave us feeling exalted in our works. It should humble us all the way into the kingdom of God. And when we get there, we rejoice at the goodness of Christ. And so really quick application for us, okay? Like if you're like, man, okay, how do I receive God's mercy then so that I might be exalted rightly with Christ? Really, really simple application, y'all. One, I would encourage you to practice gratitude. That's what the Pharisee didn't have. He was grateful for himself, not for Christ's deliverance. Practice gratitude. Say, God, thank you that you have saved me. Thank you. Not that I am not like this Pharisee. Thank you that you became a sinner in my place. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you deliver me. Thank you that my mercies are upon you. Literally, I was convicted of this this week and I thought, I'm gonna try to write down like five to 10 things I'm thankful for every night before I go to bed because that's a lot better than just scrolling through Instagram before I fall asleep. And so that's what I'm gonna do. You can hold me accountable to it. If you wanna do that with me, let's do that together, Right? But like practice gratitude and you will find yourself able to receive the mercies of God more clearly. The second thing that I would encourage you is, man, maintain a posture of humility. If one of your common phrases is, God, I do not deserve you, but. God, I do not deserve this, but. God, I should not have any reason to brag or to boast, but Christ. If you recognize that you should have no business singing this worship song that we're about to sing, y'all. Y'all, we should be cast away from the presence of God forever. We should be unable to look up to the face of God, but God did not leave us there. He delivered us, family. 
And if we recognize that in humility, it will make our worship explosive and we will find the exaltation that our souls are looking for. Beloved family, do not look to yourself to deliver. You're not a good deliverer, y'all. Look to Jesus, recognize the beauty and the power of Jesus, and he will deliver you when you feel wicked like a tax collector or when you feel exalted like a Pharisee, and he will deliver you into the courts of his praise forever exactly where your soul longs to be, family. Let us forever be a church who is looking to the mercies, the grace, and the goodness of our God. Amen? Amen. Yeah, I love you guys. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more information about us or how to get further connected, please visit our website, thewellaustin.com.